from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. We just got producer inflation. That was actually a little better than expected. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's weird to celebrate 6% inflation, but the core producer inflation number was pretty close to 6%, lower than expected. So maybe that starts a little bit of a trend here uh, of better than expected inflation numbers and some stability in terms of the, um, uh, the month over month changes. After a week off, Ryan and Jeff are back. Actually, Jeff, you took the week before off, right? So this is, you remember how to do these podcasts? I don't know. Welcome everybody to the latest LPL Marcus Signals podcast with Ryan and Jeff. First things first, Jeff, how are you doing? I mean, it's been a couple of weeks, right? It, it has been, Ryan. I'm uh, doing great. Uh, yeah. You know, I basically talk about the markets for a living, so this shouldn't be too difficult to do after a little bit uh, of time off. Uh, how was Florida? More importantly, uh, what was the mood down there? Yeah, so last week, we did not record the LPL Marcus Signals podcast. I was down in, where was I? Marco Island. Marco Island, uh, the JW Marriott. It was a, you know, (laughs) pretty nice place. Spent a few days with some of our our best advisors, a a nice event called LPL Masters. It was a lot of fun. Um, Clearly, we're going to talk about, it's funny, Jeff, I mean, you leave for a couple of weeks on the podcast and the world just goes crazy. Uh, So definitely some very valid concerns. Um, for, for, for a lot of people, but at the same time, I think most of us realize that we're going to get past this and there's uh, still light at the end of the tunnel and we're going to talk about some of those things. But, you know, the fun thing, Jeff, I talk about, you know, you coming back. What do you think of Tom Brady on the YouTube channel showing old Tom Brady? He's back. I didn't believe it when I heard it, you know, I mean, to be honest, like, why is the guy leaving? He's like still really good. Uh, you're, you're in Boston. What's the temperature up there? Yeah, I, he had dropped hints, so I don't think people were uh, too surprised, uh, yep. frankly, but uh, maybe surprised at how quickly, uh, you know, he, he changed his mind, right? I mean, what was it, 40 days? 40 it's days. Just, it seems yep. like, you know, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people are making jokes about, well, he, he thought he wanted to spend time with his family. Then he spent time with his family, and he realized that exactly. he didn't want that anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it was 40 days right before free agency. And did you see that the, some somebody – bought his last touchdown over the weekend, his last ball that he threw for over half million dollars. Now they're saying, well, it's worth a football now. It's not, in all likelihood not going to be his last touchdown because he's coming back. But that's not the only thing. He's not the real goat, in my opinion. Uh, we will get into this. I'm serious in a second. My dog Thurman, he's 15 years old today. Um, so happy birthday to Thurman. I'm saying he's the real goat. He's deaf. He can barely walk up the stairs anymore, but you know what? He's 15 years old um, and he's uh, still kicking. And like I said, I'm a true Bengals fan because we named him after Odell Thurman. All right. That's like 2005 season. So that's how, you know, um, you know we, we, he's been around a while. I've been a Bengal fan for a while, not just jumping on the bandwagon. So happy birthday, Thurman. He can't hear me, but we are going to have a party for him tonight. Jeff, let's get into uh, what's happening out there. We have liftoff. We are going to make the assumption. It's probably a pretty accurate assumption that the Fed is going to hike rates this coming Wednesday. We'll talk a little bit about that or a good deal about that, actually. Then just kind of we'll call it the latest with Ukraine and Russia and kind of the reaction to the stock market and all the different things that are swirling. Then we're going to have a little bit of an economic roundup. Clearly, the economy has potentially been slowing a little bit. But, you know, are we screeching to a halt? Are we going to a recession? I'll just kind of answer it now. We don't think so, but we're going to talk a little bit more about that near the end of the show. So, Jeff, first things first, again, the Fed is expected, widely expected to hike rates um, 
I guess when most people hear this, it might be Wednesday. So who knows? By the time you hear this, the Fed might have hiked rates. Our base case, thanks to Lawrence Gillum, our fixed income expert and Fed whisperer, is still probably a 25 basis point hike. Um, but Jeff, how many hikes do you see happening this year? Let's say, you know, Wednesday's 25 basis points. That's the assumption. How many do you see happening and how aggressive could the Fed get? Yeah, I, I think five is is a good bet at this point. You know, predicting, I mean, there's so much uncertainty with the Ukraine situation right. uh, and what that means uh, for inflation and for the geopolitical risk premium that's built into, um, you know, equity markets and, and energy prices, all commodity prices, really, uh, at this point. So, you know, five is probably a good bet. And then maybe they'll uh, they'll wait and see, slow down um, as, you um, you know, some of this uncertainty uh, clears up. But I actually think the most important thing to keep in mind is that, you know, there's going to be a cap on how much they can do because they don't want to invert the yield curve, right? I think we talked about this before you left, uh, or both of us left, frankly. Uh, the yield curve right now is only about a you know quarter point, maybe a third of a point steep. Uh, they, they don't want to get that thing down uh, below zero. That is yeah. a recession signal that will concern markets. Yeah, so on a YouTube channel, we're sharing that. In our latest weekly market commentary, we did talk about the yield curve. And what you're talking about, Jeff, is the 210 yield curve, kind of the standard when you hear yield curve is what most people think, the two-year yields versus 10-year yields. And it has been flattening. It's not inverted yet. But Jeff, I don't want to get too geeky with this because obviously the podcast, you want to kind of keep it high level. But there is also different yield curves out there, right? The three-month 10-year yield curve is one Lawrence has been talking about. It hasn't flattened really at all. It's not anywhere near inverting. In the past, we saw that invert like in the middle of 2019, that, that being the three-month 10-year yield curve, flashing, hey, maybe something's wrong way before anyone else was sniffing around a potential problem. So Lawrence is somewhat comforted by the fact that the three-month 10-year is, is, uh, is you know where it is and still has a ways to go before it starts to uh, invert and even flatten. What's your take on, on, uh, on the different yield curves, what they're telling us here? Yeah, the... I guess the academic studies suggest the three month is more effective. So I, I pay more attention uh, to that. You know, that means, you know, just to keep the math easy, you know, if the Fed hikes, let's say seven times, eight times, gets up near 2% mm -hmm. on the Fed funds rate, uh, what, where's the 10 year yield right now? Mm -hmm. 215 or so. So right. there you're getting pretty close to a three month 10 year um, inversion. So that that's really to me, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what Powell and company say about Ukraine and what that means for their outlook. Uh, people are going to try to, you know, handicap the odds of a 50 basis point hike, maybe at a subsequent meeting, not this one, probably, but at a subsequent meeting. And that'll be all interesting, but we really want to know what's going to happen in, in, in a year. I mean, that's what matters uh, certainly much more than, you know, 25 now or, or 50 next month. Well, in a year, Thurman will be 16. That's the only guarantee I'm going to make because I spend a ton of money on this dog for medicine. So he is living proof that you spend a lot of money on your dog. He might not hear anything, but they will live a while. Uh, so, Jeff, you know, on this very podcast, right? Remember, I forget exactly when it was, five or six weeks ago when all the talk about a 50 basis point hike, 50 basis point hike, like a 95% um, Fed fund futures expect expectation for 50 basis point hike. On this very podcast, we both said, oh, I'm not 
so sure about that. I pointed out, hey, you go back in history, the Fed normally does a 25 basis point hike with the first hike. It's once you get into things when that 50 comes. And believe me, every time is different. There's a lot of swirling situations like 40 or high in inflation, like we're going to talk about literally next. But we just still didn't think 50 basis points made sense, even when everybody was jumping on that train. And again, some of these concerns that are out there and now clearly the geopolitical concerns, which we will talk about very soon, are putting a little ice on that. But Jeff, let's talk because this is kind of related. And then we'll go to um, Ukraine and Ukraine and Russia next. Inflation. I mean, it is what it is. The headline number CPI came in a week ago. Um, or last week, I should say, you know, highest level in 40 years. Uh, kind of where it was expected, though. I believe, Jeff, it was 7.9% year over year, or close enough for government work. I mean, still an extremely high number, but it wasn't wildly higher. What's your take on kind of what we continue to see with inflation as you and I and everyone else have been saying, oh, we're going to peak soon, and then it just keeps going higher. What's your take on inflation? Yeah, the year over year is is going to peak soon, but it's that that peak has been delayed. Yep. by Russia, Ukraine. Of course, we didn't we didn't see that coming a few months ago when we talked about maybe February, March being the year-over-year -year peak. Uh, it's still not going to be too much later than that because remember the year-over-year -year comparisons get tougher, right? You're growing price indexes off of stronger inflation environments when you start moving toward the summer of 2021. So uh, in the year-over-year. -year. So we'll, we'll be, uh, you know, at this elevated level here for a bit. Uh, but certainly um, we would anticipate core coming down in the second half of the year, you know, maybe not to three where we had maybe thought it would go a few months ago, mm -hmm. uh, but certainly um, four seems like a reasonable target for the end of the year. Yeah, just a couple comments. So it was 7.9% year over year. Good job, Ryan, with the memory there. Got a lot of numbers in my head, but we got that one right. Um, food. I like to eat. We all like to eat. Most of us like to eat, I assume. Up 1% month over month, the highest since April of 2020. Gasoline, not surprisingly, which we'll talk about in the next discussion, up 6.6% month over month. That made up like a third of the uh, CPI gains. Uh, let's see, shelter, which is about 40% of CPI, up a half a percent. Might not sound like a lot. That's stubbornly high. Um, we've talked about shelter a, a good amount of times. So one, let's see, year over year, largest year over year jumps ever, the price of chicken, baby food, car parts and lodging away from home. So, I mean, you know, 40 year high inflation, you're gonna see some record numbers. And how about that baby food? We don't have any babies in the Dietrich house anymore, but baby food is even expensive. So this is the real world stuff that we're all dealing with. Lastly, let's find some positive news. Used car prices actually were down, right? We've said that's kind of that canary in the coal mine. That's one of the industries that have been hit harder than anything. Um, the auto industry, so used cars actually were down month over month, uh, finally, but still, uh, inflation remains a very, very big concern. Uh, so, Jeff, let's go forward here. Um, let's see what I want to talk about next. I guess we can go here. <laughs> Did you see this, Jeff? Nickels and dimes. Which one's really worth more? Because we're going to talk about you know the commodity commodities going soaring higher. Ni literally, nickel last week, guys, up two hundred fifty percent in two days. I just incredible. So maybe I gave it away. What's worth more, Jeff? A nickel or a dime? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a dime, and here's why. Because I don't think you're allowed to melt down nickels and yeah. sell off the material. If you could do that, I would say the nickel. <laughs> yeah, and I know I've got these notes. I had some really good notes on this, and, of course, I'm, I'm looking violently for them. Um, but you, here we go. Yes, because of the massive soaring in nickel. Remember, Russia makes up about 17% of the world's nickel. Um, a nickel, here's some stats for you. A nickel is actually only 25% nickel. A nickel is 75% copper. 
Um, nickel surged to $100,000 um, per pound on the London uh, Metals Exchange. It was halted. I believe it's going to start trading very soon, but uh, halted as a result of that. Um, um, let's see here. Let's see here. Um, I've got something else here. So it costs two cents to make a penny. It costs eight and a half cents to make a nickel. Um, and 16 years in a row, both of those actually cost more. So clearly going to cost more to make pennies and nickels this year, what we're seeing. It's the other uh, currencies, which are actually cheaper. Um, dimes and quarters specifically are cheaper. Um, but just really interesting, if you actually were to melt, though, down the price of a nickel, and again, that's illegal. We're not suggesting you should break federal law on our podcast. Nickels are actually worth more than dimes if you were to melt them down due to that 25% component of the nickel in there. So that's a little... I don't know. It's not really fun, but it's just an interesting concept of what in the world is going on, Jeff, when we look at commodities last week. I mean, they're just soaring. Now, honestly, they're crashing, coming, crashing might be strong, I put it, coming back. Crude oil's back beneath $100 a barrel, way above. I mean, let's talk about crude oil because that's one of the big ones. What's your take, Jeff? I mean, very violent moves, uh, and we know it's mainly due to the Russia-Ukraine issues. What's your take on commodities and crude oil here? Yeah, I mean, oil is basically at a bear market in just the last few days, uh, coming back down under 100 after getting up to around 125. So, uh, the I mean, there's no doubt that the oil markets are tight. The situation in Russia uh, certainly adds to an already tight global oil market. We're not getting a ton of production out of OPEC, or not getting getting a ton of production increases uh, out of OPEC. And then you had the reopening drive, right? That's not helping in China right now. China's going the other direction with lockdowns, but you have a reopening push. Uh, it's certainly helping in the US in terms of energy demand and, and had been helping in Europe uh, until the war broke out. So um, yeah, and there you go. You know, Russia's a big oil producer. So for now, the, the energy spigots are still on in Russia. And yep. so um, you know, global production hasn't really uh, suffered materially. And that's probably why you've seen oil go you know, down 30 bucks so fast. Uh, but it, you know, energy is a hedge. Uh, same with wheat, right? Ukraine and Russia, I believe, are about 30% of the global wheat exports. Uh, so these areas make sense to have some exposure to as, as a short-term hedge. Uh, but just keep in mind that that geopolitical premium probably comes out at some point. Well, hopefully uh, fairly soon, to be honest. I was we about obviously to want a peaceful resolution. Yeah, maybe let's kind of hope that happens. And then that's kind of what we're, we're potentially seeing. But clearly, we see the same headlines as everyone else. And it seems like we get these talks of, oh, both sides are going to talk and going to get somewhere. And then you see just the devastating news of continued the continued war. So that it's like what's happening on the ground is um, a little different what we're hearing. But let's just hope that can happen. But again, on the YouTube channel, we are sharing uh, just kind of crude oil exports by country. Saudi Arabia is about 17% of global exports. Russia comes in at 11%, Iraq about 8%. United States, 7.6%. Uh, United States, I believe, was up around, oh, um, 12.9 million barrels a day as of December 19. As of this most recent December 2021, we're down to 11.5 million barrels a day. So we're not quite producing as much as we were a few years ago, but still a lot um, a lot there. So Jeff there's basically no spare capacity left yep. in the U.S. And so, uh, you know, this is why... We certainly don't want to talk to um, Venezuela and Iran if we don't have to, but that's why you've seen those headlines. Yeah, let's be honest. I mean, crude oil was like negative. It feels like just the other day. So kind of, maybe didn't wasn't in such uh, such a demand for for to to uh, to get it out of the ground, but clearly it is now. So Jeff, another image that we have on the YouTube channel, at least, is just how Russia makes up oh about one percent or so of all imported U.S. goods. I mean, talk to me how that matters for the U.S. Maybe it doesn't matter, but it does matter for Europe, right? 
Yeah, oh, the, the relationship between Europe and Russia is much stronger, of yeah. course, in, in particular with, with energy. Um, you know, Germany gets almost half of its energy from Russia. That's, yeah. that's just something you can't fix uh, overnight. So with broader Europe, it's more like a quarter, a little more than that. So um, Europe is dependent on, on Russian energy. That's a, a really tough spot, obviously, right now. Good news for the U.S. is that we're really not uh, dependent on, I mean, in fact, our decision to stop importing uh, Russian oil was practically meaningless, more symbolic, because we only import a marginal amount. So there's basically no trade relationship anyway. You're seeing all these headlines about companies pulling out of Russia, and that adds to the pain of the sanctions. Yep. Uh, which certainly should bring this um, to a head sooner than it would otherwise. But um, th this is important. As we try to forecast economic growth uh, globally, you really have to take Europe down probably three, four times as much as you take the U.S. down. We recently lowered our GDP forecast to 3.7% uh, for this year. And uh, frankly, I mean, that was a marginal reduction like a quarter point to a third. Part of that was Omicron variant related. In Europe, you probably have to take expectations down a point, maybe even more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll talk about the economy here in a second, but no, but no, no doubt about that. Um, I, do, I did find the number here. So when nickel is trading at $10,000 um, um, a ton, that's, you can melt it down. Again, don't do that. 16 cents. A nickel's worth 16 cents. Even if it's $50,000 a ton, it's six and a half, 6.25 cents. So anyway, kind of fun, fun with numbers. You can tell your friends that. Um, but, but anyway, so Jeff, um, let's see here. So you were mentioning international. Maybe let's talk about that for a little bit. Then we'll kind of talk a little more about the economy here and kind of wrap things up. You know, talk to me a little bit about the U.S. dollar, right? The U.S. dollar has been strong. Um, as It's more of a safety play. We've seen times of stress. Dollar goes higher. How does that impact, Jeff, global investments? And maybe also we even what's going on with China. I mean, what's happened in China the last two days with their tech stocks? They were getting hit before. They're getting annihilated now. Talk to me about China and then the dollar. Sure. Yeah, dollars a safe haven. So it's very difficult for international stocks to outperform uh, when the dollar is rising, particularly developed international as opposed to emerging markets. So that's what we're showing in this chart on the YouTube channel. Uh, the MSCI EFA index, the benchmark we use for developed international, which is mostly Europe, uh, but also Japan. It, on average, barely goes higher uh, over time when the dollar is rising, whereas the average gain for the S&P 500 during those environments is almost 10%. So you're talking about, you know, give or take nine points advantage uh, being in the U.S. when the dollar is rising. So we're seeing that now. Now, um, if we get a, a, a resolution here to the Ukraine situation soon, uh, then the dollar probably drop, risk assets will rally. But yep. for now, um, we think it makes a lot of sense to favor the US. That's been our position for a while, but it's strengthened here based on what's going on uh, across the pond. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a big cycles guy. I think there is something to cycles. If you look at the US dollar, it's called, uh, I'm going to call it the rule of 16. I'm just naming it that. But in 1985, major dollar peak. 16 years later, 2001, major dollar peak. 2017 was looking like a potential major dollar peak, but now we've got some recent strength here. But again, what we've seen after these 16 year peaks, we've seen weakness uh, for about six to eight years or so, just purely based on cycles. And there's a lot more to it than that. At the same time, you know, record deficits, suspending. 
doing some of these things and everyone's all of a sudden bullish to dollar maybe there can be some weakness in the dollar but again when the dollar's strong that's kind of been a risk off in general honestly risk off in general remember back in 2020 right gold was killed stocks were killed bonds were killed this time, gee, how far we've come, Jeff, by the way, two years ago right now, what we were thinking about. But anyway, in two years uh, or two years ago right now, right, the dollar was about the only thing finding a bid. So if the dollar starts to gently go lower, that could be another potential risk on um, sign. But Jeff, we're going to talk about the economy and again, why we kind of did just gently lower our GDP in a second. I want to ask you something. Have you seen Winning Time on HBO yet? The show about the uh, Los Angeles Lakers in the early 80s. Have you heard about it or seen it yet? I have not seen it or heard about it. In fact, right. I, I don't even get HBO. So uh, maybe you'll sell me on this and I'll have to I'll have to get that. It's awesome. <laughs> I think there's only been two episodes. It's like they draft Magic Johnson. They go through it all. It's just, I mean, I was never a Lakers fan, you know, but I mean, it. it is an awesome show just about the rise of the Lakers dynasty of the 80s. They had Red Arbach, the Celtics guy, and how they, they really hated each Like legit, they hated each other and they show it. And it's anyway, we won't get into too much into it. Maybe, you know, like we kind of did with Cobra Kai, I gave some updates, but winning time. I'm a fan. It's a if you like basketball and just a good show that Adam Adam McKay guy who did you know the Big Short and uh, some other things. Uh, he's been he's a comedian or a funny you know not a comedian. Uh, maybe he's written some great comedies, but he's going more into drama over the years. Um, just great stuff. So check out Winning Time. Highly recommended by. Ryan. So Jeff, the final thing, and you talked about it, we did just lower our GDP forecast from around four to four and a half percent to 3.7%. You kind of laid out the groundwork, but talk about that a little bit more, why we did that. And honestly, why it's not the end of the world, 3.7%, still 3.7%. Talk to me about it. Yeah, we actually came up with the four to four and a half percent forecast before Omicron. A lifetime, right? a lifetime ago. Is how call like that. A yes. Very long time ago before yeah. Thanksgiving. Uh, so, you know, we were already with post Omicron, we were leaning toward more for the lower end of that range. Uh, and then, um, you know, once we got more data and, and then you add the war, you certainly, um, see, uh, you know, why we ended up at 3.7, you know, maybe it makes more sense to use a range of, I don't know, call it three, five to three, nine. We think we'll probably be in there. The, the reopening is going nicely, although probably many of you have seen uh, that there is a new variant circling around it's hit uh, Europe and China a little bit more than it than it's hit the US but I think it's here as well so you're you know we have to keep an eye on that but if we get the reopening we think we'll get uh, and we get resolution to the Ukraine conflict over the next hopefully several weeks um, you know maybe no more than a month or two then we will uh, we think, resume that uptrend and, and, and make a run maybe at, you know, high threes uh, GDP. So, but here again, to, just to reiterate this point, it's really an important point that, um, mm -hmm. you know, the, the commodity impact of this conflict is much, much bigger in Europe. And so you're gonna have to take, we haven't taken our Europe forecast down. We will soon. Uh, you know, that's why U.S., you know, maybe only have to go down 0.2%. Uh, maybe 0.3. There is a little bit of spillover from Europe because our companies do business there. And then mm -hmm. Those European economies are weak. That affects us. There's also um, a transmission of, of tighter financial conditions, right? It's just going to cost companies more to borrow. Interest rates are rising. When credit spreads widen, that costs companies more to borrow. So you're going to have a little bit of a spillover from that, but it's just not much. Maybe 20, 30 basis points at most. And um, keeps us in the high threes while, while Europe, you know, Germany could be in recession right. any moment. 
right? And so it's going to be really hard for Europe to come even close to that kind of a growth rate uh, for this year. No, great points there. Um, you know, one of the positive things that I've seen out there is, and Jeff, you're the earnings guy, but, you know, S&P 500 earnings so far this year have actually increased 3%, right? So, I mean, they're, things are slowing, yes, but but what corporate America is still saying are um, clear positives. Um, so, Jeff, let's talk a little bit. One of the more popular questions, actually, I've been getting lately from um, our, our LPL advisors is, can the spike in crude oil, and again, literally two weeks ago, commodities had their largest weekly jump ever. Okay, if you look at like the Bloomberg Commodity Index, a lot of that was crude oil. And like we said, a lot of these commodities went just parabolic to the upside. But the question is, you know, $100, $125 barrel of oil, can that cause a recession? Uh, Jeff, what's your take on that? And I know we have an interesting look at kind of how much people are spending relative to what they once were when it comes to energy and um, crude and gasoline. Talk, talk to me about it. Yeah, it's it's not enough. Uh, the um, you know the fact that we're energy independent and, and, and are only spending two to three percent of um, consumer income on oil that that's um, that's a really solid position, right? So um, you know it'll cost consumers more. They'll have to make some trade offs. It'll hit lower income consumers certainly harder than the middle and upper end of the income spectrum, but nowhere near enough to um, uh, to cause a recession, the numbers are just uh, are just too small. Um, I mean, I mean, also, you know, you've seen the drop in commodity prices, and, and futures are still not really pricing in uh, sustained high prices. So as long as the futures markets continue to keep, you know, send that signal that this is temporary, uh, then um, you know we should be able to manage through this. Okay. Yeah, great points. I mean, you know, when we look at um, overall personal consumption, and you look at energy and services as a percent of overall consumption, um, the most recent data, so it was about two months ago, was 4.2%, all right? That's how much people are spending on, again, energy and services as a share of um, personal consumption. What does that mean? Well, it was near 10%, so double back in the early 80s, and about 7% during the uh, great financial crisis. So those numbers are going to go higher with the higher energy. But again, if it doesn't stick, um, you know, the, the great question, oil just doubled. You look back in history before 1990, before 2008, we have seen times of when oil doubles year over year. Recessions haven't been all too far behind. But the truth, again, is how much we pay for energy and how energy dependent we truly are have been decreasing literally, I think, for uh, decades. So, Jeff, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Um, the Fed is clearly the big thing this week. Well, let's put it this way. Ukraine and Russia is obviously a big thing. Any news there uh, can drive markets across the board. What the Fed has to say is obviously a big deal. We've talked about those two already. Anything else that we should be paying attention to before we sign off this week? Yeah, retail sales will be uh, interesting. You know, we just talked about it, right? Yeah. How much will the consumer uh, be impacted by um, higher uh, energy prices? Certainly consumer sentiment has been very negative recently as a result yeah. of you know, inflation, probably primarily in the US, but also certainly the conflict in Europe uh, and COVID are not helping. So that would be the one data point I'd watch closely. We just got producer inflation. That was actually a little better than expected. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's weird to celebrate 6% inflation, but the core producer inflation number was pretty close to 6%, lower than expected. So maybe that starts a little bit of a trend here uh, of better than expected inflation numbers and some stability in terms of the um, uh, the month over month changes. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. So guys, uh, thank you, Jeff. Thanks to Neil, our producers always. And thank you to you guys, the listeners. I know we didn't do one last week. Sorry, just kind of the way it all shook out. But definitely some of the previous ones we've done over the past month or so of, of this podcast in the YouTube channel have been some of the most listened to and most downloaded shows we've ever done in the oh, I don't know, three and a half years or so we've been doing this podcast. So thanks uh, thanks so much for that. With that, we will be back next week. And let's hope we've got some good news. And, you know, it's St. Patrick's Day this week, so that's a reason to be green. And one final silly little comment. The last two weeks, if you look at the S&P 500, it was higher only two days. Wednesday, <laughs> Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, we're all red. Wednesday was higher. It happened the last two weeks. So let's hopefully we get a little more green out there and we wish everyone a happy and safe St. Patrick's Day. And it is NCAA tournament time. We'll probably talk more about that as we go forward. So good luck with your brackets. With that, everybody, we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial. It's for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.